Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. Hey, Mission Church. Pastor Tyler here. Uh, Last week we did church at home. This week we are doing church from home. Church from my home. I'm literally in my dining room. To my left is our living room, and to the right is my kitchen. Uh, and man, I just, I'm just so thankful for technology that we can still live stream service. What I love about God's word is that it says it never returns void. And I believe that it will not return void even through live stream today. Now, if you're brand new, I'm Tyler. I'm the pastor here. We've been in a series titled, When Life Happens. When Life Happens. It's a study in the book of Philippians. And really, Paul in this book of Philippians is trying to teach us, the church, how to respond with joy. Charles Swindoll said this, that life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you react. And I believe Paul uh, is the one that actually kind of came up with that in Philippians. He's saying, hey, I get it. I'm in prison. That's what happened to me, but I'm going to respond with joy. I get it. You you made plans and they didn't work out, but I'm not going to respond with fear. I'm going to respond with faith. I get it. It looks hopeless. I'm not going to respond with hopelessness. I'm going to respond with hope. And so in chapter three of Philippians, it, it's a perfect chapter for this week. I really believe that. I think this, this series that we're in right now uh, is a gift from God. And so my title today uh, for When Life Happens is titled The Joy Detox, The Joy Detox. Now, if I could just uh, kind of set this up real quick, uh, I don't know about you, but uh, life can be really easy sometimes, and then sometimes it can just be really hard. And then life can just be just, I feel like I'm just winning on all facets, just success after success, but then it can feel like failure. And then I, I think of life and I sometimes like, man, like sometimes I just feel like I have just got the momentum of all momentum. I call those sunny days. And then just sometimes I just feel like I got some rainy days in my life. And what I love about Paul is he knows that rainy days are going to come. And the way he starts this chapter, it's just this one little moment. I don't want to go past it, but it's just a gift to you and I. And he says this in Philippians 3, whatever happens, again, 10%, 10% what happens to you, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. If you're um, with somebody at your house, mom, dad, friend, spouse, whoever it is, turn to them and say rejoice. Paul's saying, I don't get tired of saying the word rejoice. I don't get tired of reminding people to say rejoice. And so if you're by yourself, tell yourself, hey, self, rejoice. Does that sound good? Okay, let's keep going. I never get tired of telling you these things, he says, and I do it to safeguard your faith, to safeguard it. He wants to keep you safe with rejoicing. What does that mean? Uh, my mom, uh, when I was a little kid, I grew up in the state of Washington, and she'd always uh, yell uh, at me on the way out, not yell at me in a way of anger, but of protection. She'd say, Tyler, don't forget your jacket. And I'd be like, Mom, I don't need my jacket. It's not raining. But what she knew is we lived in Washington, and it was going to rain. That basically every day, bank on it raining for about nine months. And so a lot of the time, I would ignore my mom, and I'd say, I don't need my jacket, and I would just leave the house. But then I'd be at recess, and it would start pouring down rain. I'd have no rain jacket, I'd be soaked to the bone, and I would be miserable for the rest of the day. And like Paul, like a good spiritual father, as God uses him to write pen to paper, his heart as the father of all fathers saying to his kids, hey, before you leave the house, don't forget your rain jacket. It's called rejoicing. Don't forget that when you leave the house, if you don't have rejoicing on you and it starts to rain, life will be miserable. Because when that 10% of life happening to you happens, you've got to have a safeguard. And it's called rejoicing in who writes your story, rejoicing who redeems the story, rejoicing in the one that says, hey, it may look like death, but I can turn it to life. It may look like a mess, oh, but I can make it a masterpiece. This is the promise of Philippians. My, my, my prayer is, is that 
you'd understand that Philippians isn't this just happy book and it doesn't actually uh, address the hard things of life. Oh, it hits the hard things. I mean, Paul comes after it in this chapter. God comes after religion. He comes after achievement. He comes after sin and just the flesh. This is an intense book about the intensity and greatness of joy, but also the intensity of sin and how it can destroy your life. Man, I want to choose joy. Man, I want to, go, I want to choose God's plan. So let's, uh, let's, go in, uh, let's go into Philippians 3. Now, Philippians 3 has three sections. The first section is joy and salvation. Uh, like a, uh, a great author, like a great teacher, and God's the greatest teacher using Paul to teach, is there's three parts to this book. Uh, the first part in the first 11 chapters is just the joy and salvation. And I remember being a youth pastor. Uh, kids would get saved. they say, yes to Jesus. They would go home and tell their parents, Mom and Dad, I got saved. And I would get calls from parents, and they would say this, what do my kid need saving from? What, what, what do you mean they got saved? They got a great life. I feed them. They play sports. I give them everything. What did they get saved from? And Paul really shows us what we get saved from. And not only what we get saved from, but what we get saved to. There is joy and salvation. Second part of this, uh, this uh, chapter is simply this. There's joy and sanctification. There's joy in being committed to the process of joy, committed to the detox of this world, of actually becoming everything God calls you to be. Sanctification really is being set apart. I don't know about you, but busyness is not purpose. Two-thirds of this country right now is unfulfilled. But if you look at the calendars, man, the calendars are filled. So we can have a life full of busyness, but empty of joy. And so this second part of the chapter you're going to notice is Paul's going to unpack, hey, I get it. You're really busy. you got a list of full of things, and you think you're doing great things. Nope, nope, nope. Here's actually what you should be focused on, and this will give you joy. And then last but not least, Paul shows us this amazing um, promise in our future that is joy and glorification. I don't know about you, but sometimes I just wish that I was perfect today, that I could uh, conquer the things that I've just struggled with since I was a little kid. I struggle with shame. I struggle with condemnation. I struggle with bad mindset sometimes. And what Paul shows, he goes, he, he goes I know I'm not a finished work, but man, I really believe that when the day I die and I see Jesus, that he will complete everything. He's saying, man, there's such a joy knowing that sickness will be gone, that shame will be gone, that every promise on my life, that it will come to fruition because that's what God said. If he said it, he will do it. So let's go into the first part, joy in salvation, the joy of salvation. Uh, and before that, uh, I think I should pray. I'm going to pray in my dining room. I'm going to pray for you. Uh, I'm going to pray for the message. Um, so if you're uh, at your house, we bow your heads with me. Let's just, let's just pray for the message. God, I thank you so much for what you're doing uh, in the midst of chaos. Uh, God, in the midst of these 21 days of us being sheltered, there's just so many things happening. And God, I just, I just lift up the ones that are worrying. If, you, if you're worrying right now, I just even ask you to open up your hands at your house and just say, God, will you pour out peace right now? Lord, I pray you pour out peace on families, Lord. Uh, I pray for uh, small business owners and, and, and just people just processing finances, Lord, and, and worry is starting just to attack. Lord, I pray for peace right now in the midst of unknown. Lord, I pray for uh, families uh, that are just uh, figuring out what are we going to do the next 21 days. Lord, I just pray that you would unite families in, in this, Lord, that there wouldn't be division, but there would be unity. And Lord, just even as I preach this message, oh, I pray that my words would fall to the floor and your words are sore. Oh, we love you. We love you. God, we need you. We need you. And everybody said, amen. All right, let's go. This is the joy of salvation. Uh, really, uh, the bent I'm going to take is a detox kind of bent. So there's joy in the detox. There is joy in the detox. Now, here's what Paul says. Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. For we worship by the Spirit of God and are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort, though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. 
Now, look at what Paul's saying. He's saying, watch out for those dogs. Again, he's, he's giving a warning. Hey, you need a detox from religion. There, if you are somebody watching this today, first time checking out, you've been to our church, and you just grew up with a religious background. You grew up in a, a legalistic background where there were so many rules put on you. And so you always feel discouraged. You always feel like, just I can't be good enough for God. What Paul's saying is, watch out for those religious dogs. Because here's what religion does. You ready? Religion kills rejoicing. It, it, it destroys it. I, I would submit this to you. He says, look what the contrast. He says, watch out for those dogs that would tell you that you basically look at human effort. He goes, we don't look at human effort. He goes, for we who worship by the Spirit of God. He, he controlled... His contrast is religious people and worshipers. Show me a religious movement that has a vibrant worship service. Show me a religious movement that knows how to celebrate salvations. Really, if I could just be honest, I didn't grow up in, in, in the church. And so when I started going to church, I just thought it was amazing that people were getting saved at my church. I thought it was amazing that we were seeing revival in Puyallup, Washington. I thought it was amazing that people were uh, lifting their hands and just worshiping God and not caring about what other people thought, but cared about what God thought. And then I would get around religious people, and I'll be celebrating. Like, oh, you go to that church? Do they? How do they? How do people get saved there? Now, now, do they make them do this prayer or that prayer? Do they do this or that? And all they were doing, they were taking this religious preference on how somebody should say yes to Jesus and killing my rejoicing. He says, "Watch out for those people. This this journey's already hard enough. You need to detox from religion. Religion is a gross man-made idea to make us feel good about ourselves, but but the gospel is God's plan." to give us joy from the inside out. And so, man, I just want to encourage you, if you struggle with religion, man, it will kill your rejoicing. And Paul's saying, watch out for those kind of dogs. It even says in Galatians 5, 15, that they bite and devour. Man, when, when great things start to happen in your life and you start to celebrate, watch out for the religious ones that try to uh, steal that joy from you. Man, live for God, love people, and, and really keep the main things the plain things. So he shows that in the first part of this. So there's the detox of religion. He goes on uh, to double down on it. He talks about, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. But now I consider them worthless. Worthless because of what Christ has done. I once thought these things were valuable. So let's just look at just the joy of salvation, the, the detox saving, if I could put it that way. The first part, he's saying, man, you'd be detoxed from religion. The second part of this is he's saying you'd be detoxed from achievements. He's saying, if you find your joy in achievements, if you're going to find your, your joy in a list of achievements, you'll never, ever find joy. He goes on to say, I was, um, I was the, uh, uh, circumcised on the eighth day. Why is the eighth day important? Here's his list. Here's Paul's list of what he's really trying to say. Let's actually unpack what he's saying to those people, what was important at that time. He goes, hey, you, you, uh, you, Jude- uh, you, you, you Jewish people that, that value religion and, and value the list, listen to this. I'm a pure-blood Jew, and only pure-blood Jews get circumcised on the eighth day. He goes on to say in the list, I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. There's only two tribes out of the 12 tribes that stay true to the house of David. He goes, I even come from the best tribe. So on my list, I'm from the best tribe. He goes on to say that I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. In this time, you would have Jewish-born citizens, but they would be raised like a Greek. They would speak Greek and have the Greek traditions. But Paul says, in the midst of a Greek tradition, I was raised like a Hebrew. My first language is Hebrew. I I was raised in the tradition of Hebrews. I'm the Hebrew of Hebrews. He keeps on going his list. I mean, this is the list of all lists in this culture. He He goes, I was a Pharisee. I went to the greatest, I have the greatest education. 
I went to the Harvard of all Harvards. I'm the smartest one out of all of you. So my, even I got education on my list. He goes and say, he goes, uh, the law, I was the best at it. 613 Old Testament laws. He said, I aced the test 100%. Who got 100% on 613 laws? I did. He goes on to say, I wasn't a talker, but I was an actor. He goes, I, not only was I um, a, a Pharisee, but I was an active Pharisee. I was persecuting the church. Really, when I read this, it's a silly list to me. It's, a, it's, it's, it's one of those, like, who cares if you're a Hebrew of Hebrew? But if, if I'm being honest, I think we all have a silly list. I think we've all made up a list in our life that says, man, if I achieve these things, then I'll have joy. I have a, I have a, a quote for you uh, that I wrote down. One list is created to find joy. That's your human list. A human list will be one that you write down to find joy. But what Paul is saying is Jesus' list produced joy. And what he's going to show us in just a second, he's saying, hey, you need to detox from achievement. You got to detox from all achievements. You got to detox from religion. And he's about to show us what we're saved from and saved to. So we're saved from religion. We're saved from achievement. And then we're saved to a relationship to Jesus. And this is the ultimate detox. And let me, let me show what scripture shows you. He goes on to say, Philippians 3, yeah, doubtless, and I count all these things but lost for the excellency of knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. Boom. What he's saying in verse 8, if I could uh, read it to you in another translation, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counted as garbage so that I could gain Christ. Now, that garbage is actually translated in the Greek, dung, poop, animal, feces. Uh, not me. Paul did it. I'm more genteel than Paul. I would just say junk. But he's saying it is animal feces. It's dung. Let me read it to you in the King James Version, actually, and I'll show it to you. Yeah, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of, no, of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Now, let's just picture two columns. In the wind column, he said, I had all the things in the wind column, Hebrew of Hebrews, Pharisees. Um, uh, I was an activist. I was um, everything that you would want to write on a piece of paper. He goes, I took that from the wind column, and I moved it over to the lost column. And in the wind column, I have one thing now. It's knowing Jesus. Man, I, I'm on the full detox. When Jesus comes on the scene, he calls himself living water. And there's something to be said about what you're feeding yourself with and actually what you think is going to satisfy your soul. I'll, I'll never forget this. Let me just share an illustration of what I'm trying to say to you. My mom, uh, I'm going to give my mom a lot of shout outs in this sermon. So my mom would tell me to go get my jacket. My mom would always say this to me too before dinner. Tyler, don't eat junk food. If you eat junk food, it's going to ruin your dinner. And so what do I do like a little kid? I'm rebellious. I'd go find junk food and I would eat junk food. I'd go to my friend's house and my friend uh, would offer me, hey, uh, my mom just made some cookies. Would you like some cookies? And I would eat cookies for days. And then I would come to dinner and I would be full. I mean, I would be so full on cookies that my mom would bring dinner to the table and I couldn't eat anything. And really what, what Paul is saying is, like a good father, hey, don't get filled up with the junk food of this world. Don't fill your life with religion. Don't fill your life with achievements. Let's, let's look at what's happening right now in our culture with uh, this 21-day shelter. So we have 21 days of having to slow down and stop and be at our homes. I would say one of the things in our list is just being busy. Busy is an achievement in our culture. The busier you are, the cooler you are, the better you are. And so busyness is now being removed from that list. Maybe you didn't even choose it, but it, God's using it to remove it from your list. Let's think about something else that's in that column. Finances. A lot of you are stressing out about finances. What, what if God, what if I lose finances in this season? I'm not discounting the, the reality of providing for a family, but there's something to be said about the list that we have in our culture, that busyness is a badge right now. Rich, being rich is a badge right now. All these things, and really what's happening, if, I, if I'm being honest, all the junk food of the world is being removed. 
I, I want to watch sports right now so I can just forget about what's happening. I want to go in my nothing box, put on some NBA, put on some sports talk, and there's nothing to be watched right now because all the junk food of the world is being removed because of this coronavirus thing. And so what's happening right now? And I, even me as a pastor, if I could tell myself, I get to feast on the Lord more now. I've been ruining my meal. I, I, I've been eating the junk food of this world. And don't get me wrong, I, I hang out with the Lord. I, I pray, I read my word. But man, I, I've been a little too full off the wrong things. And Paul's saying, just like culture, you've got to understand that the junk food of this world, it's crap. It's animal feces. And, and don't compare your crap with somebody else's crap because they're both crap. If I could just use that word, if you have kids around you, sorry, say it in your mouth. Hey, it's all crap. Now, let me, let me, let me say this. So you have the, the junk food of this world, and like a good mom, my mom would say, hey, if you eat the junk food before dinner, you'll ruin dinner. But Paul's saying, if you eat the junk food of this world, it's not going to ruin your dinner, it's going to ruin your life. And so, I don't know about you, but man, if, if, if that's like a, a good heavenly father telling us through Philippians 3, hey, everything else I count as loss. But knowing Christ is the greatest thing. The feast is Jesus and the world is junk food. If you think the list of life is going to fulfill you, it's not. It may be, oh, it's painful going through a detox. Rachel and I, uh, we bought some pressed juicery detox stuff about six weeks ago. Uh, it was a three-day detox. And uh, I remember it was like, okay, I'm going to start drinking these juices and I'm going to eat healthy. So I drank the juice in the morning and then I went to work and I ate pizza for lunch. I couldn't even go a full day. I couldn't even go a full day because I still had pizza as an option. But right now, I don't have sports as an option. When lunchtime comes around again, and do I turn on the TV and watch nothing? Or do I go on a walk and hang out with a little bit more? My, 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 my prayer for you and my prayer for myself is that we would understand that God is detoxing our region. He's detoxing our nation. I, I said in week one that we must find joy in the plan. I, I, don't, I don't like this. I wish we were meeting. It was, it's been the sweetest season in our church watching New people come every week, watching our church grow, watching Salvations. I love worshiping with everybody in the room. It is electric. It is powerful. The presence of God is there. It's, it's so special. And so preaching from my dining room right now, I, this isn't what I would choose. But I'm finding joy in the plan that God is detoxing me even. Can, can I tell myself real quick? Here's the things on my list. Our church growing and being vibrant. Numbers at our church was one of the things on my list the Lord revealed to me. That when, when our church is doing well, then I find joy in that. But it's such a fleeting joy. It's not a real joy. It's a fake joy. It's a junk food joy. And so now in this season, God is really bringing me to a place where saying, Tyler, am I going to be everything to you? Once I become everything, then the rest of those things actually fall in the right place. Whatever God is touching your heart, don't fight it. Just allow him to do the heart surgery and detox your life of the junk food so you can enjoy your life the way it's called. It. Uh, you're built to enjoy it. Let's keep going. So he talks about the, the achievements. Let's keep up. This is... It's so rich. We might only get through the first part today because it's, it's so rich. Maybe we'll do the joy of sanctification next week. We'll see what happens. Uh, verse 8 says this, Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting all his garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Woo! He last detox. There's three parts in just this first 11 chapters. You get detox from religion, you get detox from achievements, and then you get detox from wants. Here's what he says. He goes, "This is the the, the gift." He goes, "Once you start to realize and what you get saved from, you get saved to." He goes, "Here's what you're gonna want. I want to know Christ. I want to experience Christ, and I want the mighty power that raised him from the dead." 
That's what I want is what Paul's saying. What do you want right now? You ever have those seasons where you drive by somebody's house and you go, man, I'd want that house. Man, I want, I want that job. Man, I, I want that race. Man, I want that kind of life. I want that kind of marriage. I want this and I want that. And what happens is, is your heart's a big wanter. But the problem is, is that, that the things your heart wants that it's bent towards in this world, none of them will fulfill your heart. I think what C.S. Lewis said, C.S. Lewis uh, talks about in one of his books, he talks about the way God created us is so, so amazing and so intricate and, and just so perfect. So when a, uh, an animal needs water, there's water. When an animal needs grass for food, there's grass. When an animal needs anything, it's there. Even for us, there's so many needs being taken care of. If I'm thirsty, water. If I'm hungry, food. If there's a relationship, there's people. But, but C.S. Lewis goes on to say, he goes, there's one thing that we just can't find in this world. He goes, if you look through this whole world and still find yourself wanting, you must be not made of this world. There must be something else that you want that this world doesn't have. And Paul's saying, I was empty. I had all the wants. I achieved all the wants and I was empty. But now I know the want that actually fulfills my life and brings joy to my life. I want Jesus. I want his joy. I want his power. I want his peace. I want to experience it. I want to be like Jesus. I want to glorify Jesus. I want to celebrate Jesus. These are my new wants. And what's amazing is he trades the wants of this world that lead to no joy and he changes them to the wants of heaven that brings all joy. Now let's finish with this. Paul, like a masterful teacher, really does break down this chapter in three parts. The first part is the joy and salvation. The second part is the joy and sanctification, really joy in being set apart. And the last part is joy in glorification. Now, what he says about the joy of sanctification really is just the joy of simplicity, that he's going to talk about just focusing on this one thing. Let's look at it in Philippians 3. It says this, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Read Philippians 3 this week, and you'll see uh, it even finished with that they brag about their shameful things, that he's leaving these things in the past. There's just so many things in our life. If you could picture your life like a computer. Have you ever had your MacBook? I got a MacBook uh, Pro right here. Have you ever had your MacBook spin that little uh, colorful wheel right in front of your face? The reason why it's spinning is because so many applications are open. So many tabs are open. And really what Paul's saying is, man, you need to close the busyness of life, all those tabs, all those applications, because it's bogging you down. And now that you shut them down, now you can run the way you're called to run. You're allowed to press on the way you're supposed to press on. It's an amazing thing. I don't know about you, but it would not be joyful for me to go eat a Zachary's pizza and then go on a run. And what Paul's saying is, it's never going to be joyful to run this race of Christianity when you're still carrying the world with you. He's saying, get rid of the world. It's going to bog you down and just toss to the side and just run with freedom, run with joy, run with simplicity, run with purpose. So he goes on to say, Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies behead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. He goes on and really unpacks this amazing opportunity for you and I to progress to something. Now, what are we progressing to? The progress to something is to be like Jesus. And, and if I could give you a picture of what, what Jesus is in our life and what we're called to be is, I, I think that there's something special about what Paul's saying. He said, I'm focused on this one thing. Now look at the Bible and let's look at rhythm in scripture. In the gospels, it says that uh, in the New Testament that we're the light of the world. It says that in Philippians 2 that we should shine for this world, uh, let our uh, good deeds shine for this world. So it's always about this light shining. And Paul says, take this light now and focus this light. 
Do you know what happens when you focus light? It makes a laser beam. What does a laser beam do? It cuts through the hardest surfaces on this planet. A laser beam could cut through a diamond. What happens when you become a laser beam? You can cut through the hardest seasons of your life. He's saying you could become the laser beam of joy. A hard season comes in, joy splits it in two. You could uh, walk through a hard valley of peak, well joy lights it up because joy is always gonna be the stronger thing in your life. Now, how do we become a laser beam? He says this, he goes, I wanna become like Jesus because he's the one who found me first. The, the translation says, he grasped me, and now I want to grasp him. He was the first laser beam, so I could become a laser beam. I'll show you in scripture. Now, if you've been to our church before, you've heard Luke 15. Luke 15 is almost the, 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 the vision verse of our church. It's, it's the ethos of our church. It's all about the one. Uh, Jesus shares his heart about really why he came to earth to save the world. Turn about uh, Luke 15 if you have it. Now, it says this in Luke 15. It says that the tax collectors and the uh, other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. People far from God were coming to know God, and religious people are upset about it. Again, religion will always kill rejoicing. It goes on to say, so Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one uh, that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. Oh, I love that. It is Jesus' joy to save you. It is Jesus' joy to redeem you. It is Jesus' joy to take the mess of your life and make it a masterpiece. Allow Jesus to operate his joy in your life. goes on to say, uh, when he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Stop. Jesus doubles down. He tells another story with the same exact principle. You won't see this in scripture again where Jesus tells the same story over and over and over again. He's saying, oh, you don't, you don't think I'm a laser beam? I'm so focused. One sheep leaves, I will go for it and I won't stop till I find it. And then he says, there's a woman who loses a coin in her house. She'll flip her house over. She'll be a laser beam. Somebody's like, hey, what are you doing? I'm, I'm busy right now. I'm looking for a coin. I'm a laser beam for the coin. And so he shows another one that once she finds the coin, she'll call and rejoice. Talks about a father and a son saying he is waiting patiently for a son to come home. And isn't it fascinating that when the son is walking home, the father is already waiting, waiting with his eyes laser beamed on his son, waiting for him to come home. Man, I want to be a laser beam. Man, I want our church to be a laser beam. And the only reason we get to become a laser beam is because he was first a laser beam in our life. When Paul says the reason why he wants to possess these things is because Jesus first laser beamed his life. And now it's our opportunity to say, man, after these 21 days, even during this time, man, Lord, may my life become more simple in all the right ways. May my life become more joyful in all the right ways. May I get, de get detoxed from the world. All the things that I thought were actually giving me joy, may I actually keep those on the wayside. And when I come out of this season, oh, may I be focused. May I press on. And I'm not even saying this in the 21 days. You may say, I haven't achieved these things in 21 days. But you're focused on achieving them. And this is how he ends. Glorification. Turn your Bibles there if you're, you're with me. Philippians 2. He talks about really the, the joy and glorification, the joy and perfection. He goes, Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. For I've told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things. There's things again. Other things that are still from the one thing. And they think only about this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven 
where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly awaiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which, we, which he will bring everything under his control. Stop. He talks about us being citizens of heaven. Paul had to be a sports fan. I'm a big sports fan. Can I tell myself? I'm a big sports fan. All the, so many sports illustrations. Talks about being a boxer. Talks about running. Now, what he was trying to say to these people in the Olympics, you had to be a pure-blood citizen to represent your country. And what Paul's saying, once you detox your life from the things of this world, once you start being pressed on, you look like a pure-blood citizen of heaven. And he's saying, keep running the race. Because at the end of the race, there is this moment of reward. There is joy in getting the medal from God. I don't know about you, but man, I love when my wife tells me good job. I love when my wife celebrates a good day. But it's going to be nothing like when I see Jesus and Jesus tells me, well done, good and faithful servant. It'll be the ultimate joy of all my life. And Paul's saying, hey, there's going to be joy in the detox of getting rid of this world. There's going to be joy in changing the world. But there's going to be a joy that's like no other when you actually get to taste heaven and leave this world. If this resonates with you, all, with, with you at all, I just want to, I want to encourage you with something. Um, I know there are people tuning in today. You've never said yes to Jesus. And at, at Las Lomas High School, where we used to meet, I used to be able to say at the very end, if you said yes to Jesus, you could raise your hand and catch my eye. It was my favorite moment. I didn't grow up in church. I raised my hand and got saved that way, and it changed my life. Well, we're starting a new way at Mission Church as we do this live stream. It's if you want to say yes to Jesus, I'm going to ask you uh, to respond with four different ways. I'm going to give you four different options on how you want to say yes to Jesus. Okay? The Bible says that those who believe in the heart uh, and confess with the mouth, they'll be saved. Salvation is not an earning thing. It's a receiving thing. It's a grace gift from God. So if you feel that tug in your heart, you're like, man, for some reason today when I was watching, I felt in my heart, I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to say yes to this joy. I want to say yes to this promise. I want to say yes to God, goodbye to this world. I want to say yes to the living water, and I want to get detoxed from the toxicity of this world. If you want to say yes, here's how you do it. Ready? First one is, if you're with people in a room, tell me you said yes to Jesus. Ask them to pray with you, and ask them to lead you in, the, in, in, in a prayer to ask Jesus in your life. If you're not with somebody, man, call somebody. Tell them you said yes to, Jesus, yes to Jesus. Another option you can do is you can actually go on our YouTube and just write yes, and we'll have a pastor follow up with you. If you don't like those three options, you can go online and say, I said yes to Jesus, and we'll have a pastor follow up with you. You have four ways to tell, uh, tell us that you said yes to Jesus. It's a big deal. Again, Jesus was a laser beam for people to be able to say yes to him. Mission Church, all right, we did it. Uh, first week, Mission Church at home. Uh, second week, Mission Church from my dining room at home, and next week when we come from uh, our house again, uh, I'm praying for you. Uh, I miss you guys, the extrovert in me. Uh, just, this is hard for me. I, I, I wish I could be with all of you. I wish I could be celebrating with you right now as we know people got saved, but man, God's going to use these 21 days. I'm going to see you soon, praying for you. We love you. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.